0: Contrast, uncle, yeah, you know that's us Where we only speak the real and the real rock with us Where we motivate the people and the politic on success Oh no, we ain't DJ Kelly, but they when we the best Contrast, uncle, Contrast
1: Madness, Contrast Uncut, Season 3, Episode 19. Man, big shout outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D. Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. It's your host, DJ Wine Dollars, like I won some money, aka Xylo. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very, very special guest. I mean, we got a dope, true entrepreneur. I mean, you've seen his work on TV, sports arenas, commercials, the radio, your favorite playlist. I mean, you could hear his mu- his music, his work over the past 15 years. I mean, he hit the scene strong. I mean, I'm talking about a super producer, a DJ, songwriter, music industry executive. I mean, he's the co-founder of Generation Now. I mean, we all know that because it's the home of Little Uzi Vert, Jack Harlow, DJ Drama, you know, helped co-found it. I mean, just to name a few, also co-founded the Affiliate Music Group, being the director of my favorite show on Friday mm-hmm. nights, the Affiliate Streets is watching on Shade 4-5. Not uh-huh. to mention, he's produced arguably for the greatest artists of our generations. I mean, if you don't know who I'm talking about, I hope you get the drift now, because I'm about to tell you, it's a cannon. Don Cannon's in a building. What's happening, brother?
0: What's popping? What's popping? What's going
1: on? oh man i can't call it man i'm blessed can't complain that was quite that
0: was quite the introduction man i appreciate that
1: now that's big that's big you know you're big time so you approve cool of that man you know let me go and stick my chest out now <laughs> that was a good I, one buddy damn <laughs> bro uh so bro how you doing bro how everything
0: been going during the quarantine what you been exercising Uh-oh. Oh man, everything's been good. I ain't gonna lie, I uh, took this time out. I remember the day it started, I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take my time to get uh, a lot of things back into play and purpose of my life, which is health, um, eating well, uh, exercising well, just learning to be back in a basement standpoint where I used to be in the basement cooking up every day. You know what I mean? When you outside in the world, you got meetings, people call on you, you know, they call me the sensei. So I got a lot of, um, you know, conversations that I have to have with a lot of people. People depend on me, you know, that takes a lot of the time. But, you know, sometimes I I wanted to get back to the world of just being creative and, you know, in my own little space. And, you know, I just wanted to say that I'm not going to take any day within quarantine for uh, granted. And that's what I've been doing, man. You know, I've been studying, um, learning things and, you know, about myself and other people, you know?
1: Salute, bro. I mean, iron sharpens iron. And right now, you like, man, I'm sharpening everything I can. (laughs) Word. No, I respect it, brother. Uh, I got this quote, man. Let me know how it relates to you, or if it doesn't, it's all good. It's contrasts and cut. You ain't gonna hurt my feelings. Or Adversity builds character, and character takes you to places money can't. T.I. Tip.
0: Definitely. Definitely relatable. Um, adversity, I have went through it all. I mean, I've told this story to a few people before. Uh, coming to Atlanta from Philadelphia was a big thing to do because at the time Atlanta was building a voice you know 1995 when Andre and them got on stage said the South has something to say I really felt like he wanted to say Atlanta has something to say you know what I mean and I came down 1997-98 which was two years after them building Zooms they did that and went back home from New York Atlanta became a mecca of hip-hop you know it kind of It kind of built people that was afraid to, I want to say they were afraid, but they just didn't have the, the umph to say we was from Atlanta. It wasn't the most popular thing to say at that time, but they knew it in the city, but going out towards other states and cities, um, that was the first time that they was really making names for themselves. You know, when I came down here, you know, it was just starting. you know, they was, you know, Pastor Troy was here. He was pushing out, um, pushing out the, the, the No More Play GA is people coming to Atlanta. So I think when we first came here, our first trial, well, uh, John was here in 96, but when I came, our my first trial was being from somewhere else, living in Atlanta, trying to pursue music dreams. And Atlanta is just fresh off of all the things they done with Little John and all that. And, you know, a lot of the artists embraced us, but it was just definitely hard on a community to accept us as um, DJs and producers. And just people coming in, you know, coming into the city and and trying to take over. And that's definitely what we weren't trying to do. We was trying to add to the culture. And um, sometimes it it got a little confusing because, you know, Goody Mob had a record out, you don't like the A fly away, you know, a lot of that shit was, uh, was just moving on. Atlanta was just, you know, they was growing. And, you know, that we we fought through all that and it built us character, you know. It, it wound us not leaving and going back to Philly or New York or Cali, wherever we stayed in, Atlanta and thugged it out. And, you know, they accepted us and we we built a home here, you know what I mean?
1: Right, facts. I mean, the history's there. Yeah, for sure. Historical, historical sounds. And I mean, a lot of people, I mean, you tell you, Zaytoven moved to Atlanta and, and definitely put in away from being from the Bay area. Yeah. And I mean, you got a lot of people like that, that, that definitely transformed their sounds by enhancing it in the culture. And Atlanta is definitely right. in the Mecca and it's definitely the turning point of your career if you want to take it somewhere. Right. And I mean, you guys definitely enhance that opportunity. And that's the adversity that's built from your guys' character of going through all of that. That's right. That's right. So as we talking about uh, your career, we're talking about it. I got to ask you, I ask all my guests this question. I'm talking about music. Did the game choose you or did you choose the game?
0: Uh, the game chose me. I mean, I have a unique story. Uh, started when I was five years old, DJing. Uh, got my first equipment when I was three. Um, it was passed down by my uncle, which is my mom's sister's uh, husband. He was one of the famous DJs of Philadelphia. Uh, one of the things they were trying to do was stop me from crying when I was a baby. The only thing that would stop me from crying was music. So he took his initiative to give me a creative record. I think the first record I had was Jackson 5, Can You Feel It? It was a record with their their um, picture on the actual vinyl and like a little Sony, my first turntable. And, uh, you know, I, they would just play that and I would not cry And nothing. I would just sit there and stare. So as I moved on to five years old, I did like my first... Uh, mini party, you know what I mean? At my aunt's wedding, I was just playing records. And then uh, when I moved to eight, nine, ten years old, I uh, was rapping and making beats at the same time uh, with uh, these things called pause tapes. Where you take a, a tape and you sample something onto a tape, pause it, go back, sample it, and loop it for hours until you got three minutes perfectly of a beat. And then I would put in the karaoke machine and rap on it. And that was, you know, that was just my makeup, you know what I mean? My makeup from, uh, from when I was a kid, I grew up to getting samplers. My mom bought me a mixer with a sampler on there. It like 12 seconds, so I got into that. Um, but yeah, man, it, I, was, I was born into it. I don't think necessarily it was something like, oh, I going to do. Like, even now, it's not something I want to do. I have to do it because it's in me. It's like when I'm frustrated, that's what I do. When I'm happy, that's what I do. When I, you know, I think about things, it's what I do. It's just like, I I was telling you before, you know, I came down here and I was just looking at, you know, it was raining outside. I I just turned on the turntables and just got the mixing and got lost in it and forgot I had stuff to do. I'm just, you know, people call me like, hey, you still, you know, and you wanna do it? I'm like, oh shit, I'm tripping. I got lost in time, you know what I mean? So I think it's more of uh, uh, the game choosing me. More than me, you know, jumping and saying, "Yo, I, I wanted to do this and I made it happen." It was just, it's just there. It's like brushing teeth, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said it's functional, like brushing teeth. You learned that at such a young age.
1: As soon as them hurt, right. I'm in yeah. here. Or- so let me ask you this. What was your first confirmation that, you know, that the music is for you? Because I know you said you started young you're DJing parties at such a young age. You rapping and, and producing yourself at nine, eight. I mean, what was your first confirmation that, you know, that you shouldn't
0: have to do anything else in this life other than music? Uh confirmation was tough because I went to Clark and the whole time I never did no schoolwork. You know, I just was down here doing music. It wasn't playing, you know what I mean? I was doing all parties in the cafeteria, uh, on a promenade, in the dorms. We'd be playing basketball, I'd be playing the music out the window. Um and it was tough because it, it was a gift and a curse being there. Helped me learn other region musics. You know what I'm saying? So I had a dude down a hallway from West Coast and played all the West Coast. And then I would battle him with the up north shit. And then my man from Minnesota, Chicago, they'd come play, you know, something. And then, you know, my first little conversation was one of these guys that was in the hallway. It was, uh, I forget his name, but he told me that E40 was better than Biggie and I almost had a fucking heart attack, so we did a battle back and forth. He played E40 shit, I played Biggie shit, and it was just like a big, everybody came out their dorms from the third floor, first floor, to come to second floor, to see what all the commotion was about, and we went back and forth, and back and forth, and almost got the blows, but, you know, we, we really, you know, that set it off because it made me understand that people um, really Really was filling different regions. I'm like, oh, I need to mix my region with South and the Midwest and the West Coast in order for people to get it. And uh, as I moved in from that conversation, moving into like the, the early 2000s, I was still, you know, putting in my 10,000 hours. Me and John was working on some stuff, um, doing mixtapes for all the uh, people. And you know, one of the first, you know, sustainable mixtapes that we had was. Uh, Streets is watching with Jeezy. You know, we had the T.I. already. We did Paul Wall, Little Scrappy, Killer Mike. We did did all all those uh, um, first, but um, the the Down with the King mixtape T.I. had right before uh, Streets is watching. I had this Go Crazy beat, and I had gave it to Tip. He freestyled on it. He didn't do too much. I was like, man, I'm not happy with this. I know this beat can do more. Uh, we wind up giving it, Jeezy uh, wind up asking us at a party, who, who, who did the beat? And I said, me, I gave it to him. And I still didn't think nothing about it until he rapped. Cause it was like, people were already rapping on my beats by then. I had like little groups doing stuff. And I just was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we're, we're moving, we're moving. And, and one day, uh, him and his coach had stopped me. I mean, him and his uh, manager coach stopped me. Uh, it's from UC now. And he was like, yo, we got something special. I was like, "Well, special? They wouldn't tell me. So I waited a little bit. They come by. The, I had a little apartment. That everybody would come by and record. Everybody from Rayquan to Freeway to GZ. Everybody came to this apartment. It was just was up where we was at. And um, and um he played the Jay-Z verse. And that, in that very moment, I was like, okay, I, I made it. I know what to do now. You know what I'm saying? And that was my confirmation because still, I was still hurt. I was making, we were making some money you know, doing mixtapes and parties, but that one was like... That was the moment. Because Jay-Z put 64 bars on it, and it was a different situation, because, you know, i believed in Jay-Z since 1996. Everybody was Nas, Big Mob, I, I liked them as well, but I was like, he's gonna be the one. Everybody, man, he's, tripping. he's just a regular, you know, hustler, he ain't gonna be nothing. And to see years later when he was going crazy to be on my, my first beat out, I was like, oh, this is... <laughs> you know I mean? So that was confirmation and then my second confirmation after that was having over a hundred, maybe a hundred to 200 of the artists I wanted to work with on that beat before I got to work with them. So those was my, com- my confirmation like, okay, I did something. You know what I mean? Uh, yes sir. Yes <laughs> sir.
1: So let me ask you this. What was some of the highs and lows through the process? I mean, from that point to you know to the I mean, I wouldn't yeah I'm gonna say it, you a made man, brother. When it comes to this game, like you know, you definitely paved the way for you know for a legacy to already be there. And so when I say made man, I'm like that's that's you when it comes to this hip hop game. And so my perspective is like, what were some of the highs and lows to that transition from confirmation right there working with Jay Z to the next turn you're
0: battling tomorrow? Um. So. Moving from there, uh, solidified some of the stuff I had going on. So one was uh, I had record labels and publishing companies throwing money at me because of that record. At that time, Jay-Z being on your record was unheard of. You know, if you weren't on his album, like, you know, he wasn't doing a whole bunch of features for younger artists. And this was like, why is Jay-Z so special? You know what I'm saying? And he was like, wow, who did the beat? That's amazing. So then, you know, I had everybody at, doorstep kind of like you know lebron james uh going to you know what team he's going to everybody's like who's gonna pick them you know i <laughs> so i was going i was doing all that and then uh this guy reached out from atlantic records i forget his name but i'm, I'm sorry i forget this guy's name but um he started the wheelbarrow downhill for me like oh, okay it's gone he he's like hey man i want you to come to miami and work with trick daddy I'm like, damn, I'm coming off a record with Jay-Z to work with another legend? Oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? So I walk, I go down um, to Atlanta. Uh, when I get there, Fiend is in the room. I don't know if anybody knows about Fiend, but Fiend runs with uh, Fiend runs with uh, Currency right now. But he's been a rapper for a minute uh, in the South doing numbers. And he's also been, like, one of the heaviest writers out. He was in there. He was like, yo, you know, Trick ain't coming until later on. We should just cook up till you get here. So i cooked up and cooked up. And I couldn't figure out the ideas of where I wanted to go with Trick Daddy. He's just like, man, I'm coming with this up north sound. But, you know, at that time he was working with Stargate. There was a whole bunch of people down there just giving them. I remember he had a record with Madonna. And I was like, holy shit, what am I going to do? And so the first thing I did was uh, think about what are the bass hits in Miami that I could flip on some East Coast shit. And I flipped, uh, you know, come on, ride this train is what I thought about. And I was like, you know, me as I always do the research before that, it's like, yo, have they sampled something? You know, so I uh, went to the record that they actually sampled and found other parts in that record. Isaac Hayes, uh, Together Brothers. I mean, I'm sorry, Barry White, Together Brothers. And I took different pieces of that record from the minute to all the way up to six or seven minutes to uh, make this record. And it was actually a mistake. I was actually doing different chops while it was recorded and it went on beat, right? And I was like, oh shit, it, start, it was panning, it was phasing, it was doing all this extra shit. And, uh, and I was like, oh shit, I didn't did something. But I was playing, I was like, man, I might have to take this home with me. Ain't nobody gonna understand this beat, right? So <laughs> Fane heard it. He was, I think he was in the lobby. He came in, he was listening. He was like, oh, I got something for that. I was like, where? You from the South? Okay, he goes in the booth. He's like, Yo, something, something with the AK, uh, and it's the cannon. You uh, know, with the M. he was doing a flow, and I was like, oh shit, he did something. You know what I mean? So we Trick Daddy finally came. You know, he listened to it. He wasn't really into it. It wasn't his speed. He liked the beat, but he was like, yeah, let's try something else. I tried something else with like, you know, some old Scarface type shit. We wound up doing that. Um, the experience was good. I wound up getting back home. So I, I was on a drum hop, he was like, yo, where you been at? I was like, I went to Miami working with Trick Daddy or whatever. He's like, damn, please. he's like, you ain't telling nobody. I was like, man, it was like some spur of the moment, in and out You know what I mean? We just slid down. So when I uh, when I came back home, he's like, what you do? Yeah, he record anything? I said, like, no, nah, but I did this record with Fiend. It was crazy. So I played him the record. He was like, damn, that's crazy. We need to, like, get this to somebody. We gave it to Busta. Busta did the first hook. He did... Uh, Cause the Cannon drop was on there. He did the uh, uh, John Cheris, Cannon, and I was like, oh shit, and he was the first one on it. We put it on his mixtape, right? So John was about to do an album with Atlantic. I was like, yo, i want gonna put this on my album, but I gotta get some more um, people on it, right? So his first thought process when he was working with Wayne, uh, he, went to, he went to Miami and like, yo, you need to get one in like a mixtape, you know? And he wound up giving him that beat. I think he gave his shit back to drama in like a couple of hours. Like Wayne is like, like point blank, one of the illest to work with. Like he come, he's like this, no problem, no bullshit, no bitching. If you don't get your shit back in a day, he ain't want to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, he wound up doing a whole verse, like the the whole song all the way through with a hook and everything. It was three minutes long. And he sent it back. We was jumping. We was going crazy over it. You know what I mean? And uh I wound up doctoring it up. But you know, that started that Trick Daddy trip started the whole onslaught of me doing records. After that and the Wayne record came out, then Fab came, then Kiss came, then uh Jay-Z came back around, but I wound up giving it to Swiss for Casty. And then I did uh Jeezy. We we went we went for another one with uh Mr. 175. Uh, It just started going like this. It started clicking. I was doing records everywhere. I had records in Japan. I had records with... Everybody from here picking up everybody up here. So you know, it was just it was just a movement. You know, the Trick Daddy trip really started the whole flow. You know, even though Jay Z tipped it off, it was just you know what
1: I mean. So through all of that, your highs would, would you say your highs would be knowing that your music is getting fucked with with these major artists and, and they it's being received in the same way that you put it out.
0: Yes, definitely the high point. And oh, then so what
1: are some of the lows? Because I know you briefly talked about how great Wayne is with getting shit right back. But I know personally being an AR and waiting for shit to come back from superstars, you on they time, and they time don't matter to shit to what we got
0: going on. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's crazy because I was so hot at that point that they were, it felt like people were showing off. Like, man, I'm gonna kill that beat before you give it to because everybody thought I had the Jay-Z plugs. Everybody was like, oh, I'ma kill it. You ain't gotta give it to Jay, let me get this now. They was just picking anything, you know what I'm saying? Cause I had, like, I just had joints. And it was like, yo, let me get that. I need that. Don't give it to Jay, don't give it to Wayne. So, you know, some of the the downsides of everything was, uh, you know, what everybody is, is me doing it for love before getting a big check. You know, I was I was paying my bills, I was living. Um, a lot of people quit after not getting a big check after doing something that big. But me, I was still working regardless. I was going to do it broke or rich. It's just something I, you know, I love to do. I just love to create. Um, I lost a lot of friends. That was another downside because I didn't have time to play live and 2K and um, go to parties and do the things that you know they wanted me to do so. A lot of the people that weren't running side alongside of me doing music, I lost a lot of them in the process. Uh, some of the artists that were on a local level, I lost relationships with them over that because it was just I was always gone, just doing stuff. Um, yeah, I mean everything else was everything else was cool. Uh, I remember uh, just knowing. You know, people coming to the crib and working just put a lot of people at danger in the neighborhood because it was like, yo, here comes another rapper coming in there and another rapper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, it just it just started. We just had me and Drama and since my other partner that We just had a whole we just had a whole onslaught of shit going on. And you know, it's a lot of stuff that's going on. We we had a raid on the mixtapes, which was a big misunderstanding with the RIAA. Uh, not knowing what we actually do. We actually work with artists. They thought we were bootlegging albums and putting new covers on them. So when we finally got that straight, you know, me and Drama had lost everything at that point and didn't know if we were ever going to make it back into a good space, you know what I'm saying? And we wound up making it back into a good space. Wow. So Yeah.
1: That's so crazy because the real was like pretty much, man, we trying to validate y'all, but it ain't making sense. And y'all was like, no, we really uh, curating all of this. We're putting all this new wave out. You gotta catch up. Yeah, damn
0: shit. I mean, I I ain't gonna lie. I'm bad with names. This kid that was an intern at the RIAA was interning for the person that was prosecuting. And he did this whole, like, (laughs) this whole, like, fucking presentation on what we really do and convince the person he was an intern for to really come talk to us like, hey man, the intern really told us what you guys really do, you know what I mean? And 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 he really saved a lot. I don't know who he is, but he really like kinda got them to understand what we really do and that, you know, that was a, that was another good thing, you know, being done. So, bro, with all your experience, you know, from your perspective, is it
1: better to break an artist that's under you or break your record with a greater artist, a big artist, you know, some of the biggest artists on the planet? Where do you get the bigger high at
0: or the greater joy? Uh, the greater joy I get is breaking new artists. We always, we built our career on breaking new artists. Um, We got handicapped because some of the artists that we broke rose so fast, you know, T.I., Rose Fast, you know, Scrappy Rose Fast, uh, Jeezy Gotti, Klaas Slim Thug uh, Paul Wall David Banner <laughs> You know what I mean? The list goes on You know what I'm saying? Nice. It, it, even, you know, not to take all the credit for Wayne. Wayne was Nobody were, was really respecting him outside of the UNLV Young Money type swag, mixtapes he was doing dedication gave him a whole life line, you know what I mean? Past what people, you know, it was a respect thing. It was like people knew, oh, okay, that's yeah, He wavy, eighteen. He can, he got some bars, but then dedication really well, gave big. him like a backpack to say, no, I'm, I'm for real. You know what I mean? Just all those artists, just breaking those artists. I just couldn't really uh, stand against going to see Chris Brown. And be like, yo, he going record and making it big like that because people have came before me and did that. Sean Garrett did that. Uh, Joelle Santana did that. You know, we were working with that, so we needed to keep it in that pocket. I didn't want to go sign somebody that was already hot. Let's find somebody new and just build it because it's building from the ground up. So you you plant the you plant the soils, the seeds. You water it every day. It's just you watching it, and as you're watching that grow, you just get a different feeling than just. Walking up to a tree that's already there and just putting some new soil on it, you know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, that's that's the greater joy. I think uh, us as a team have fun bringing things, you know, that are new. You know, and it's not always the easiest thing, but it's the it's the best thing, you know, for us. You brought up a great
1: thing, the garden. The garden. And you know, a lot of time people get it mixed up that you know, that they spend too much time watering other people's gardens without watering their own. And so, you know, my question to you is that you've been able to multitask and and be successful at it. So what is, you know, what is the secret? What is your balance of of keeping everything so well tightened and oiled up and running the way it does?
0: Pure intentions. You know, uh, we do stuff of pure intention. You know what I'm saying? Just to, to, uh, just to bring new things, bring new things to light all the time. It don't have to be artists all the time. It could be, uh, it could be a lawyer. It could be just an idea in general, and just keeping your heart pure. I think that's been the key to all the set successes stand pure and, and follow what God is laying in front of you. You know what I mean? A lot of people get off track and do some things, but you know, I follow that strictly, you know what I mean? And, and you know, it's not even, I'm trying to be pure. It's just in us to be them people. You know what I mean? When you genuine
1: and you have real relationships with people and you do as you say, say as you do, there's a thing called longevity that occurs. And Absolutely. you know, you definitely have the recipe, the blueprint, and, and shit, at this point you creating your own
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure
1: Uh, bro, I ain't gonna lie to you I can talk to you all day about music I can talk to you about song for song I just I, I'm i gonna uh, put a pause to it Because I want to get to my other segments So that, you know, the listeners They can have a, a, a different perspective Of, you know, what the show's all about And, you know, I have my next thing It's a pretty much Uh awareness and my awareness segment is about police interaction and my thing is that you know i want to know about the last time you were pulled over you know the last time the red and blue lights hit that high beam hits the back of your neck because everyone's you know not invincible to it and you know the whole point of this segment is to bring awareness and and to help the youngster know what to do in the situation and if you can get some advice to one you know hit me with it so they can hear it from one of their favorite producers entrepreneurs
0: in the game. Where um, first and foremost, being from Philly, one of the, the, the Pennsylvania in itself is one of the biggest uh, prejudice and racist uh, states, you know. And my first pullover was at 13 years old, 14 years old. I was joyriding my mom's car. Uh, they took me back to my mom's crib, but the way they handle things in Philadelphia. It's just bad man, you know what I mean? 17 I got pulled over. Um, 19 I got pulled over. Uh, when I moved to Atlanta uh, I got pulled over but I got a call in around 2002. Uh, I have three I have two other uh, I have a cousin Keith and a cousin Phil that's no longer here but my cousin Keith, they're like brothers, We're, we don't move without each other. You know what I mean? When I left to Atlanta, Keith and Phil were still up there, but these are, we're connected, we don't, to the point where I got different wings in my crib and my brother, Keith, still lives with me to this day. It's my mom's uh, sister's son, and then my other mom's sister's son was Phil. At 2002-03, Phil was coming home from a party. He went to a payphone to call his mom to pick him up. The cops pulled up on him and told him to freeze and put his hands up. He put his hands up. He had his wallet in his hand and they killed him. So uh that right there alone, just losing like your left arm of a person feels crazy. You hear what I'm saying? That you know, you have to deal with that, and they didn't even take the proper steps. He wasn't involved in nothing the neighbors saw the whole thing at that by that time I think at that time we didn't have no camera uh, system going on um, you know 2007 January 17 uh, I'm sorry uh, 2007 January that's when the raid happened and when the raid happened we didn't know why it was happening because all we were doing the music we weren't doing anything illegal um, we didn't have any drugs, guns, you know, they, they smashed our whole studio looking for, they always say, you know, and this is, was in the department, they were saying, if you find rappers, they're always close to guns, drugs, and all that. And when they said that, it was like, damn, they really look at us in a certain way, you know what I mean? And, you know, from that point on, I've really built up an anxiety with PTSD, with PTSD, I mean, PTSD with, um, with uh, police in general and law and authority, um, some days I woke up cold sweats, just you know, paranoid, looking out the window. And it's like people's like, "Why are you scared? You didn't do nothing wrong, but you didn't go through the stuff I had to go through." You know what I mean? Um, so I will always, you know, just keep one eye open for it. Uh, I ain't gonna lie about a month ago that I pulled over just going to the grocery store from quarantine and they said my tags will expire. My tags was nowhere near expired. My birthday's in August. They ran through the stuff, made a mistake, made me get out the car and everything. And you know, one thing I do when I, I get pulled over, I either call my fiance or I call my mom or Keith. There's, there's only three people gotta be on the phone with me when I get pulled over. I've got pulled over a lot of times and, and searched the car for no reason. You know, maybe a wrong turn. But I, myself, speaking to the kids, I have a different I have a different uh, a different step because one, I'm 6'6", 260. When they look at my license, that's automatically a threat. Oh, this is a big guy, you know what I mean? A big black guy, you know what I'm saying? So that's already a threat. It's already get out the car, let's detain it before it can be anything without even just saying, yo, hey man, you know what I mean? It's always get out the car first, you know what I mean? So. I had that going against me. Also, the, the um, you know, the stigma of being an a artist or just unknown in the city. The first thing they do is they go to a car and type in your name and Google and see what comes up. They're gonna see Facebook. They're gonna see the you know the Twitter, your Instagram. your following. So I mean, out there, you know, it's getting worse. And you know, I always told I was telling my fiance that I lived at 11 years old. I watched Rodney King. I watched. The Looters, I watched Ice-T make a song called Cop Killer. Um, she never really understood this growing up in the South, you know, a clean family. Um, she she didn't have to go through as much. And for years, I was just, she just couldn't figure out what was my issue with authority until these past couple of years, she's starting to see things and saying, yo, this is serious. And now she's like, knee deep, knee deep knee, 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 in all this shit, just trying to figure out why it's happening, how to be prepared for it. And, you know, I think every kid out there should know that it's not about being in a macho state or a man state, and it's about Knowing in your mind what's a violation and what's not. Sometimes you have a violation to where you can finesse yourself out of it. You know, you know, cops deal with energy. Uh, law enforcement deal with energy. A lot of the times it's in your dialect and how you make things happen uh, could save you that day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, super, super different situation in the country of Georgia. Um, running, it was nothing he could do. You know what I mean? Him, if he laid on the ground, they would've killed him. If it fought for his life, they would've killed him. It was nothing he could've did. You know what I mean? It was just, I think, and as bad, as I feel bad for his mom, it's just a it's just a fork in the road that's trying to, he had to be a martyr for the situation of the world to get better. Right now, it's crooked. People are telling me, yes, yeah, only the white cops. It's not only the white cops. It's anybody with a badge, belt, flashlight, mace. All of these people, either went in to law enforcement because they're scared or just don't want to be on that side of the fence. And and I still hold that, you know, all cops are bad to me. I have cops in my family. I have a, a sister that is married to a detective and I always pray for her that she doesn't have to get that call in the middle of the night. But, you know, in order for this to stop, it has to be a system set up with these with these cops and law enforcement where we get better and we form like some type of, uh, you know, uh, unity or it's going to get into a place where Ice-T was taking it into cop killer. And, you know, it's always going to take two cops to get killed in that situation for people like oh shit they aiming at our heads now we gotta do something I don't want it to get to that point you know what I'm saying So, but it's getting to that point it's turning into the rapture bro the stuff I'm seeing every day, like they chasing down dudes that's running from the police in a high speed chase it's 12 of y'all versus 1 if he has a gun he's not gonna kill everybody y'all gotta detain him and figure it out y'all just can't shoot him down It's the better judgment of the cops, you know.
1: No, and they shot him in his back when he was running.
0: You see what I'm saying? And it's it's, it's getting out of hand. Yeah, it's getting out of hand. And and I I just feel, I feel bad because we're the ones being attacked. You know what I mean? We're the ones being attacked. And, you know, I I tell other people this too. It's not, it's going to be crazy if it has to be an all-out war versus the law enforcement because they think it's only going to be black black people. It's going to be Mexicans. Puerto Ricans, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, it's going to be Indians, Blacks, we all going to be fighting against one race, it's going to get ill, you know what I mean, so um, that's what they think is going to happen, it's going to be a lot of white people that want to fight because they just don't understand what the law is doing, and you know, I, I just think that a lot of people that are in there, like, think about something on the light 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 side, Police Academy, I don't know how old you are, that movie, they had about seven of them, six of them, right? They went through, like, hazing so many fucking uh, uh, levels to become this cop till they got to the graduation. And I feel like, you know, on on, a, on the sad side, I think they just give them the diploma Like, yeah, get out on the street. You come from that neighborhood, you know how to deal with it. And then they get scared and they got to do what they got to do. You know what I'm saying? And I, it's just an ugly, it's an ugly space, man. I, I hate it. It's one of the most top, talked about topics I speak on every day. I leave this house every day not thinking that I'm not gonna come home, but I just think like, man, why is it like this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why do I feel anxiety to leave my house or ride down the street? I get tense when cops are around and I shouldn't be like that, you know?
1: No, it's facts. Like we have this whole permission in our head that control what we can control and let go of everything else, but we can't even right. control a situation of interacting with them. And right. you know. The reason why I add this, you know, to my platform is that one, I've had situations where I didn't know how to interact with them, and you know, making the right decision, the right choice, you say the right thing, and you're out the situation. And so, awareness is the number one thing that you know I wanted to bring to this. And I call it the awareness segment because you know everything that you mentioned it, it brings a, a light to things that they're not thinking. Like you right. know, they, they don't realize that this much weight is already bared on people's shoulders. And so by I, can give,
0: I can give you an example not to cut you off. I was in a Whole Foods. Uh, I think this was during the quarantine. I had my mask on. You know, like, again, I have a big stature. So there's two cops, uh, two white cops. They were, they were in another lane. It was a guy around my stature. He's probably about six, uh, six, six more. He was a little bit more heavy. He's probably about 280, 90, big guy, you know, big shoulder. So as he's walking past the cart, he looks at me, he says, he looks at his home. He says, the other cop, he says, I think I can take him. Right, right then and there, had I not known how to finesse and and think about it before I speak, I could have said, what the fuck y'all mean? And that would have went into a whole nother space. So my first reaction was, I'ma test the temperature. I said, oh, so if we grab a football, we can go at it. He (laughs) laughed, he was like, Yeah, I don't think I can catch you with a football. I say, yeah, you probably can, but listen, I'm old, too. That disposed the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? they walked on, but I kind of felt he was playing a line between sports and the other side, but I tested the gangster on football. I was like, hey, grab a football shit. We can see. He's like, hey, I don't know if I can catch you, man. I don't don't know if I can do that. And, you know, that's where – I had to distinguish the line because, you know, I could have went left and been on the ground, maybe choked to death, you know? I, you know, could have been something. No, you definitely handled
1: that right. And you made a joke out of it, knowing that there was going to be a sucker at the end. Well played, well played, well played. (laughs) Man, but bruh, I'm not gonna spend too much more time on this. You know, Uh, I have this next segment. It's all about having fun going downhill from here, man. This one's gonna make you think a little bit because that's the whole idea, but it's to have fun. And the name of my uh, next segment is Trading Places. And it's just like that Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy movie, Mortimer, and you know, I take two iconic lies and we switch them. And you know, question number one is what would life, I mean, will it work? Question number one is will it work? Question number two is what would life be like if they traded places? Okay, so for you, I got Madonna trading places with Mariah Carey.
0: Madonna, no, no, man, no, no, bro, it ain't gonna work. I'm gonna tell you one thing uh, you talking about stardom or music? Everything. Okay, so if we talk about music, there's two different voices you have one that's just an iconic speaking voice, and then you have one that's just an outright incredible voice (laughs) you know what I'm saying so with Mariah having that voice of the the iconic side I don't think it would work for the simple fact that uh a lot of women and black women have hard time proving themselves and I think just being mediocre I feel like that wouldn't set it off in a proper way now Madonna having Mariah Carey's voice and being in that space, they had to put the whole planet behind it and made it the best singer in the world. That's just how I see it. You know what I mean? It's a privilege there. Um, stardom, I didn't see it. I couldn't see it with Mariah having a small voice. Uh and I could I definitely will see it with Madonna. But um, yeah, that's my that's my my, my take on that. So, my one question to you is,
1: do you think Madonna could have survived the, the perseverance that Mariah Carey had to face through because she was culturally mixed and she was trying to prove herself?
0: Um, it's a really tough question. Only because Madonna, from what I've seen, was very involved in different communities. She loved Blacks. Uh, she's dealt with... Uh, some mexicanos you know what i mean she's dealt with a lot of different spaces to where i didn't feel like it would be hard for her to uh get into a good space like you know she was she and what i mean by communities not only color but she loved tupac music you know what i'm saying dennis rodman was far out you know what i'm saying uh just the different people she hanged with she loved people for different reasons. It wasn't exactly the color, it was like, I'm pretty sure she loved the conviction of Tupac that made something do to her, do something to her. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with uh, uh, Dennis Robin. So I, I don't think that she would, have had, she would have had no problem, but you know, she definitely would have had the privilege of being one of the best singers ever, instead of cultural icons. Uh, uh,
1: that's so powerful. Cause you had me thinking about so many different things right there. Because, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Wow. Because, you know, in the hearts, they're not the same. They couldn't They couldn't be in each other's body. Their heart would not beat the same as as in each other's bodies. Because, yeah. you know, just history. We ain't going to go digging and throwing dirt. Right. But just history. Wow. No, you, you hit me in the face with that one. I was like, I thought it could. No, you're actually. No, you're right. You Fuck my head up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, man, I got this next segment. It's called Impulse QA. The whole idea is you know, have impulse questions, impulse answers. They're ca- uh, questions on cards. And so, you know, you can pass on it, but the whole idea is you got to answer three questions. Okay. Question number one What's the funniest thing you've seen a kid do?
0: Oh, shit. I had to, how, how fast I got to answer? Uh (laughs) Whatever comes to your mind, bro. Uh, Funniest thing a kid did, that's a tough one. I might have to pass on that one. That's a tough one because I I did some crazy shit as a kid. Okay, I'll give you one. I rolled up a regular on my my dad's top paper and tried to smoke it like it was a blunt, but it never burnt. (laughs) 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 when I was like 11. And that's some crazy shit I did.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. All right, fun <laughs> story, myself, I always turned down everybody to smoke cigarettes, but once I knew it was a joint, and you know, Bob Marley, Tupac, everybody was always on my mind. I was like, that's a joint, it was really a cigarette. And I smoked oh, it. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's Didn't crazy. High? Crazy. Question number two. What weird food combinations
0: do you really enjoy that others don't get? Uh, oh, man. Uh, mustard and barbecue sauce. Some people don't like mixing those two. I love doing it. But what you put it on? Everything. Salmon. Uh, when I was eating chicken back in the day. Turkey. I would put, I would put, I would have that on everything. Eggs. Turkey, bacon. Uh, all that, man. I ain't gonna lie. I put any and everything. Vegetables? Smothered. What type of barbecue sauce you talking about? Sweet baby uh, Ray's or Sweet baby Ray's? Now, Sweet baby Ray's wasn't out in Philly, so we used Heinz uh, because Heinz is heavy in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania altogether. They got you know ketchup, mustard, relish, all that. But when I moved to the south, it was Sweet baby Ray's. But Sweet baby Ray's and like a uh, and like a honey mustard fire. Bro, I'm gonna try that, bro. I'm a liar. liar. I like gonna mustard it. like that. Yeah. But not that's the yellow, not weird. the yellow mustard. Even the gold, the golden mustard or honey mustard mixed with the baby rays. Out of here. Out of here.
1: You know what? What is something that people are obsessed with that you just don't get? Question number three.
0: Yeah, uh, your yeah, internet broke up. You got that oh, that again. Question number three, what is something that people are obsessed with that you just don't get? Ranch sauce, let's keep it on the sauces. People are obsessed with ranch and cheese. I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't like ranch. I don't like cheese. So I don't, I always like, you know, what's the obsession? Like people live and die by ranch. Like I put barbecue sauce, they put ranch on everything. They can't have, people can't have chicken wings without ranch. Okay, okay. People dip, people dip Chick-fil-A fries in ranch. Yeah. Well, I like the Chick-fil-A sauce,
1: but that's a whole different topic. But, uh, I see a
0: massive amount, especially down here. Ranch sauce is rampant. I don't know what's going on. So, what do you dip your wings in? Nothing, you just... I don't understand. When When I used to, when I used to eat wings... I would get the flavor on them already. There'd be barbecue wings, hot wings, or like lemon it pepper. It. It's no mix. Yeah. Nah. He said, got "I got the get sauce on it them already." Hidden Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Not the <laughs> Hidden Valley Ranch, no sir. <laughs> I don't get the point of Hidden Valley.
1: Nah. You know what, bro? I got a bonus question because you know you're a true hustler, you're an entrepreneur. You take something out of nothing and turn it into something, no matter what the cards give you. And so my bonus question to you is, and you know, all the listeners know access this to the real entrepreneurs and hustlers is if you had to go to a third world country, what would you sell and hustle to get back to America? And what third world country would you go to?
0: Springwater. In which country? Um, uh, hmm, that's tough. Uh Johannesburg, uh, Tokyo, Third War, Third War, I have to be uh, somewhere down there by Costa Rica somewhere. But I just noticed just traveling, water is the only thing that is in common. People don't have it. You don't have pure water. Spring water is the best water. It keeps your body right. Ocean water is too much salt. I just would sell water because everybody need water. You <laughs> Period. Facts, facts. You know what I mean? So that's what I would sell. You know, Jay Z said sell water to a well. I'll be selling <laughs>
1: sell water to everybody. You know what? I'm gonna tell you what I tell people, and it's gonna be the first time I say it on this show. I sell dirt to sand and make them jealous over mud, so I have them buy my water. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up, <laughs> you know. So I I, I feel everybody on a water terminology. What do you,
0: hey? So what do? You, how do you feel about pH levels of water? Just because we're talking about it. Uh, I think it's it's chemically induced. So I only drink spring water. Spring spring water. Uh, water from the spring is naturally has natural pH balance in it for you to get right. Uh, all these waters, like essential, and all, that, all that's chemically induced. It's all been purified. It's all been touched before, you know, it reaches you. And I I, I don't mess with any of those waters. I, I, it's going to be sometimes when people say, hey, you don't like Dasani? No, they put salt in Dasani. You know what I mean? All these waters are, yeah, are purified, uh, reversed osmosis all that. I just get natural spring water. There's times where I've had, gotten real natural spring water. So they got something down here called uh, Lithia Springs which is where all the water is from. And if you get Lithia Springs real water, it tastes Terrible! It tastes like all the rocks, all the stuff that's in it, and it's not—it's not something I would drink every day. I would drink it maybe once a day, but for the most part, I'm drinking natural spring water, nothing in it, bro, and, and that's the best thing for you, in my opinion. You know, throwing my it. head up because
1: you was like, I'm not touching any stepped-on water. That water is stepped on. It go through a process. It's not the that's same as right. this real dope water that I'm drinking.
0: It's not. It's not. You know, Kentucky and New York has some of the purest, regular water out the tap, and some of that shit has uh, a lot of fucking particles and that stuff in it. You know, all we need is somebody to say, hey, don't drink that type of water. It's going to give you COVID, and then everybody's going to run from the water. But natural water is good for you, man. Your body's made up of 82, 83% of water. You know, is your lungs and the rest of your organs. You know, water is, is I just learned this, buddy, by the way. I learned this three years ago, and I was juiced out, sold out. Um, I was drinking water, but I was drinking uh, Avion and fucking, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, all these old extra 8.7 pH baths. It's all chemicals, man. It's all chemicals. Game. you definitely taught
1: me some shit right now. I'm like, oh, I need to go take out some of that water in my fridge and talk about it got chemicals in it. stepped on. I'm gonna tell my wife, it's stepped on.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Real talk, that's crazy. So man, you survived impulse Q and A. You definitely passed everything with flying colors. You know, yeah. let me ask you this. What are you most excited for coming up? I know you're coming off, you know, Generations Now, number one album in the country. I mean, he put double this. I mean, you guys have been killing it. I mean, what's popping top 20, Billboard? Uh, I mean, everybody involved is is definitely evolving, evolving, evolving. So, you know, I guess it's a three-part question because everything you're doing is growing. So what are you most excited for? And what are you on the uh, cusp of, like, I man, I can't wait till this come out?
0: outside the music uh well let's, let's start with the music i'm excited to get jack to a certain level um uh Sethi hendrix is a new artist that we signed for jacksonville i'm excited to get him started um we have some more artists that we're working on developing i'm excited about that uh, one of the things i'm most excited about that i really haven't talked about is me and my fiance. we we started an app uh she came up you know being a freelance creative uh fashion designer and um just helping creatives do certain things. Then one of the things she noticed is that most creatives struggle um, just getting jobs, just getting paid on time, getting things right. Um, We started an app uh, and it's going to come out in September. And this app is based on creatives getting jobs and getting paid really fast. So you'll be able to be able to hire creatives on there and also be a creator. So if you're a photographer, videographer, your podcaster your uh your dj your hairstylist your uh, anything creative that you can think about you know there's there's apps like uh thumbtack and you know and Fiverr that dedicate to everybody getting a job this is dedicated to uh, creatives I think it's a the world is moving into an entrepreneur space where a lot of people aren't gonna go to a job anymore they can be working from home it's the future and I feel like uh, remote jobs and in-person jobs creatively is gonna spike soon when people just you know they don't want to deal with them getting furloughed from their job or something like that. They're just going to work for themselves. And I think this will be a platform for people to make money from and just consistently keep relationships on a Rolodex of things they need to do. You'll be able to post your job. You'll be able to talk about it. You'll be able to meet people and it's going to be a safe place where it's a background check oriented app where you're on there and you know, it's legit. You know, it's not no bots trying to hire you or, you know, nobody's trying to pick you up and put you on law and order. <laughs> you know what I'm saying oh, bro bro I uh, get
1: a check for a job I never have to do and then send you half the money when I'm done
0: yeah Crazy. yeah we're just trying to create that, we're trying to create that space where it's like and hey, you go to sleep you wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning and you got five people that want to hire you and then you're like oh shit jobs is coming to me so, you know what I mean yeah so that's what I'm most excited about hopefully in September we get to launch out and uh, you know that's, that's my thing on solving the issue with creatives. I know a lot of people, just even me coming as DJs, older DJs, still hitting me like, yo man, if you got anything out there that anybody need me to DJ for, da da, da. you know, just random stuff like that. Just always playing the back of my mind. I can't help them, but now I can with the app, you
1: know what I mean? Uh, no, that's powerful, powerful. Yeah, you yep. You gonna keep people hungry and fed during the depression and the recession. That's it. Brilliant. And you know what? The most important thing is that it's keeping the creative wheel going. The whole point of why I do this show is that I've been that kid and that adult that's, you know, has a cul-de-sac state of mind. They got all these talents, but no one's around to push me or or I'm nowhere to get confirmation of you know, me climbing this bridge to success and all your stuff you're talented with and you get around people that are afraid of success and you get afraid with them until, you know, you elevate where you're with and you find opportunities that help you climb that ladder to over that bridge. And, that's right. You know, the whole point of this show is that, you know, you. everyone that's been on here has hit us some sort of success and, you know, can tell the story of it and made the choice to find a way to get over it, remove the excuse and find a way. That's right. So, that's right. uh... Yeah, Brad. you know, before I close out, I do gotta ask you this. What's your goal before you retire? You know, what's something you're trying to get done before you like, I'm done with the music. I'm gonna sit home and, and
0: relax and travel the world. Uh, I already traveled the world, uh, relaxing. Uh, one thing I wanna get done is to help myself understand all the stuff that I had, that I did, I don't have to do forever, like sleepless nights. Uh, uh, eat it bad, you know, uh, and just the hustle and bustle. You know, uh, success comes in many ways. I was taught by a mentor of mine, and everybody that works 24 hours, no sleep, 38 hours, like Diddy, no sleep, aren't always the only people who are successful. There's people that can work 15 hours and be successful. It's just different uh, spaces. Uh, that's one. And then two, uh, growing up, we talk about cops. I always thought that teachers were bad people because when I went to school, they always told us we were going to go to jail. We weren't going to make it past 21, that we weren't going to be shit. So I had like a lot of resentment on teachers. And, you know, everybody I met from 19 to 28 that went to school with me or just was around and told me they wouldn't be a teacher. I kind of shied away from them, like yo get away from me you're toxic or whatever. Um, I broke that uh, later on just being a mentor and a teacher by default. So uh, you know soon I probably will want to you know hopefully our next venture would be you know later on when I'm 45 46 years old to start something where. Um, you know, people can learn from a group of teachers. I don't know how I'll put it together, but, you know, I want to kind of dismiss that thought process of me hating teachers my whole life and, you know, putting it back into the era of positivity. You know what I mean?
1: You know, that's something a real sensei would do. He would clear it and clear it by making something to resent that whole thought. Right. Power. 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 Yep. Yep. One last thing, Brad, before we talking about music, because then I'm going to wrap it up. You know, uh, what's your process to making beats and, and you know, what's your process to just do your creative side? Do you like watch a certain movie? Do you uh, put it on silent while you do it? Are you playing games or, or like do you have a motivational speaker? What What's, you know, what's the process
0: like? Uh, Inspiration for me comes from different places. It used to come from me just going out and going to sneaker stores and clothing stores and just seeing Uh, people's dreams come true, like, you know, uh, seeing uh, Travis have Jordans is like, wow, he's got a sneak. You know what I'm saying? Or certain people, Uh, but it comes from different ways for me. Like last night, uh, watching The Last Dance, uh, I was always a Charles Barkley fan. I was never really a Michael Jordan fan, but I I, I thought Michael uh, Michael Jordan was pretty good. I just was a Charles Barkley fan and watching the last dance made me realize that dude was one of probably arguably the best basketball player to ever play the game. Um, and watching the last two episodes really gave me some inspiration to, and then I moved into uh, defiant ones. I don't know if everybody's seeing, but it's a good, good thing to watch is Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre and just watching their life and how parallel they ran together and how easy they made their life by being Uh, uh, a tool or a vessel for people to grow off of instead of being a front runner all the time. And I think that's what happened with Michael Jordan. So I put the two together when Michael Jordan uh, was a vessel. You know, he never wanted to be a role model and people dissed him for that or he never spoke up on certain terms and had the whole spill about him, but did not look at or take into uh, effect that he was actually a vessel for everybody to be inspired. Steve Kerr would have never been a coach if he didn't get those last shots. And he gave him hope, you know what I mean? He, we don't know that, you know, Steve Kerr sitting there, I was trying to be John Paxson. I didn't know I was going to have a job. He put the ball in his hands in those times that gave him the confidence to be ready. You know what I'm saying? He inspired uh, Scottie Pippen to work more. You know, he was so disgruntled with the game. He pushed them through. Uh, people on other teams, like you've seen last night, out of all the games and championships he won, nobody gave him no props. Carl Malone got on the bus and shook his hand after that whole ordeal, of losing twice and he still was a man man enough to say, hey man, good game. I appreciate the you know the the game or whatever. And he inspired so many people, even with Jordans today. It's like, you know, he's just inspiring. So uh, I I I I try to take away what I used to think about how much of an asshole, what person he is. i just saying that dude really loved basketball. And whether he liked it or not, he was a role model without being a role model. You know what I mean? He he really inspired a lot of people through uh, his word and his shit talk and and all that. He really kind of, you know. So, you know, I got the inspiration from that um, in Last Dance. And and, and normally it may be, uh, it could be a book. It could be, you know, this right now me talking to you and knowing your story about how you know, some of the some of the people that's watching the um, program, it's kind of like, uh, they're getting stuck because they need inspiration to push forward. You know, this is an inspiration for me to maybe make a beat or start something, you know, you know what I mean? This, the, the inspirations come from anywhere, man. I, I see Tupac behind you. He's another person that I, re- I really didn't even like uh, music-wise until these past three years and really studying like, dude was dope as fuck. And, you know, for the whole Time I was just east coast ignorant. I was Jay Z, big, you know what I'm saying? I never really liked Pog until these last years. I've learned to appreciate what he did, you know, and I and I kind of, you know, you got another one, I, I kind of keep him close to Pog Marley. Those dudes was really like some martyrs, you know what I mean? So, you know, the inspiration comes from anywhere, you know what I mean? It's just creative. When you're creative one spark, but like a match, psh, and you just start doing anything. You know what I'm saying?
1: Exactly, man, yeah. it became a snowball effect. I know how to get this done. I can see it through, and then you see it through. That's it. So, man, if you notice, brother, this show has been, you know, like some of the others with some of the type of questions, but not the same way of being worthy. I like being different, I like being unique. And I
0: appreciate that. like,
1: how do I close out the show? Show and keep him the same way i've
0: had him the whole show and i'm like i got it you got any questions for me uh, nah man i learned a lot just now i like i like i learned a lot man and, and keep doing what you do man and inspire these kids inspire the new people man it's more of them than people us that are strong enough to really uh, go out and finish the day out Being a closer A lot of people Going out to close, man That's just what we need to do We just need to show people Through action And not through words How to do this shit real Real talk, real talk But
1: it takes moments like this Where you take the action And take the time out of day To sit down and talk to me and, and, you know Shed the history Shed the light on Some of the accomplishments And some of the obstacles You had to overcome Facts Man, contrast and cut Season 3, episode 19 Man, I've had the pleasure and the honor of rocking with, you know, one of the greatest things to come out the East Coast, the South, because, you know, he came from Philly now, to Atlanta yeah, we'll and just, just changed the wave and, and enhanced uh, it. We'll I'm done. talking about Don Cannon, everybody. I appreciate you coming on here, brother, and really just shedding the light on, on history and, you know, your way to success.
0: Word. No doubt. Thanks for having me.
1: Can I live track A? Yo,
0: check it out, man! It's the number one co-signer, Don Cannon. I'm definitely in here. Contrast Uncut, with my boy, One Dollars, man. Thanks for having me. It's a great experience, man. Bobby Deep, what's up, homie? We out here. Nah, we do man. I'm coming back. I gotta talk. I got some more shit to talk about soon.
1: heard? hey, let's get it.
0: Bro. Bro.
1: D. Survivor with a fittest shook ones and never reached. Survivor quiet storm, I guess the louder you can be. Or the freaky tide, we was lost, boys. Mr. Cheeks, love.
0: Feel like I'm the one. Uh, bum bomb bum. Quest love on a drum. From the roots of Black Star.
1: Are you Bishop or you kill? On the roof for the joke. See how smooth you got me reminiscing over you. I had that 1G regulate. Mind playing tricks on me. Ghetto boys, better days. Jump around, house of pain. Mama said, knock you out. Double L, cool J. Time still ticking though. Big clock, flavor. Man, I know you guys can't smell this right now And I ain't talking about none of that other stuff I'm talking about some of that good stuff, that smell good stuff I think it's breakfast, what time is it? It's breakfast time Make sure you tune in to Contrast Uncut No matter what you're doing Whether you're eating breakfast, you're smelling good food Like I'm smelling, or if you're smelling other stuff We're good to watch too Make sure you tune in, thank you